When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash hidden, H-I-D-D-E-N. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. So, no strings attached. We're giving you a free book. You've heard us talk about how much we love Audible. Go give them a shot. And once again, promo code HIDDEN for audibletrial.com slash hidden. As always, we are sponsored by Illuminatus. Their pre-rolls are made like no other pre-roll out there. And they come in a sativa and indica blend, offering a discreet and satisfying experience every single time. Illuminatus products are always guaranteed to meet all government testing standards. So check them out at illuminatusbrand.com and on Instagram at team underscore Illuminatus. Well, today we back. Today is a very uh, exciting day. I've been looking forward to this for it's, two weeks at this point. It's a rare occasion when we get a new treat from our boy David. Mr. David Wilcock, uh, of course, wrote his book, What the Fuck's it? Awakening, Awakening in the Dream. Awakening in the Dream, by tagline, Contact with the Divine. And Jay has been working his way through the book, uh, highlighting what he deems to be the most important. Yes. Now, as someone who has read the previous three New York Times bestsellers, uh, <laughs> I can indeed say this is the crack cocaine of his writing. This was intense. I could only do about 50 to 60 pages at a time. The insanity. It was like freebasing insanity. <laughs> And I, he, he has been reading it. I have been abstaining from all things Wilcock in preparation for this episode. Yeah. And we're going to make this, this is only part one. And let me preface this right now. Go buy the book. It's a fantastic book. Go oh, support, yeah. Support this man. We, we looked it up. It's, uh, it's number six in dream related books and, uh, like number 10 in, uh, channeling entities. And climbing. So it's gotta be good. Number 10 in climbing. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> number 6,000 something overall. But yes, in these, in these strange times, everyone needs to go out and support your local lunatic. So, so for the most part, this is going to be. Jay's uh, Jay's it's, circus today, and I will just be reacting to the madness. But I I suppose for those who don't know, I will start by reading a small portion of a, Mr. Wilcox's bio on his a, website. A brief excerpt. Yes, divinecosmos.com. And we say a brief excerpt because David Wilcox does not know how to shut the fuck up. And his, he's rather long winded. 
that would be the most generous. All right, let me let me fast forward a little bit in his bio and give you some of the shit he talks about in his book bio. David's grades also improved along with his self-esteem as a result of losing so much weight. The day he cut his hair, people were stopping dead in their tracks when they saw him in the hallways. It's <laughs> page after page after page of that. So I, I, The I, haircut was just so good. Well, just why would you mention that in your bio? Yeah. He's At the, 15, I got a haircut and I stopped being fat? He's a genuinely strange version of, version of narcissistic. He's retardedly narcissistic. Yeah, like he's doing it the wrong way. He is autistically yeah. narcissistic. I've never seen an autistic <clears throat> narcissist before. I think we have a new classification called the DSM or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, now. we're getting in the new one. We're, we got David Wilcox syndrome. All right, yeah. so let me, I'll, I'll give you like the the very basics here. Welcome to Divine Cosmos, the official internet home for the work of David Wilcock. Within the site are thousands of free pages of scientific... Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess uh, scientific is used pretty loosely there. Used liberally. And spiritual information about soul growth. Oh yes, all that scientific information we have about soul growth. Ascension and the evolution of consciousness. David Wilcock is a professional lecturer. Well, that's the first true thing he said. That's Filmmaker mm -hmm. and researcher of ancient civilizations, consciousness, science, and new paradigms of matter and energy. That's all true. But he doesn't list his, him as a musician because he does that on Twitter. <laughs> his, his upcoming Hollywood film, Convergence, unveils the proof that all life on Earth is united in a field of consciousness which affects our minds in fascinating ways. Wow, way to be fucking vague, David. I can't wait for that movie, personally. That sounds... I will watch any movie this man's a part of. Oh, but the coup de grace, and I'm sure his book must touch on this. David is also the subject and co-author of the international bestseller, The Reincarnation of Edgar Cayce, question mark. The question mark is in the title of the book. He's not even I, sure himself. Which explores the remarkable similarities between David and Edgar. Uh, spoiler alert, the remarkable similarities is they both look like faggots. Yeah, they, they both, both have look... <laughs> big fucking foreheads. Yeah, they both look like fucking dweebs. Uh, and the book features many of David's most inspiring psychic readings and reveals documented NASA scientific proof of interplanetary climate change and how it directly impacts our DNA. Them solar flares is coming. So there you go. Uh, and then he starts at the age of two and goes all the way through present in his bio. So if you really <laughs> want to learn about the man, divinecosmos.com. Oh, there is plenty of literature. Go buy the merch. Go take his uh, Ascension course for like $9,000 uh, via Zoom. Yeah, you, I don't know you, how much his courses are right now. I believe it's $400. I believe him and Corey Good, his... Uh, Nut job in uh in you in crime his partner in crime yes yeah. his partner in crime uh yeah. also Although, charges that amount I don't know four hundred I guess about his normal rate none of those things are fucking cheap yeah stupid people buy it like you can charge whatever you want I mean if it was cheap I'd fucking go every year oh I yeah. was so disappointed when I looked up contact in the desert and it was like a thousand dollars and I was like well, I'm not fucking doing this I can go go do drugs at the park for. <laughs> 
<laughs> way that. less. Yeah. Yeah. If he charged like 40 bucks, I would take the class just I'd, for the content. I'd probably make it all the way up to a hundred bucks, but yeah. yeah. You gotta I, be reasonable. Yeah. I'm I'm not shelling out uh PlayStation five money to uh not learn anything. I'm yeah. not I'm not spending five hundred dollars to mock you. Well, like I want even I have my limits on that. I want one on one contact if I'm paying that much. Yeah. I want to interact with you directly. And not in a astral sense. Yeah. I want it to be in the physical realm. Yeah, like my money, I'd like it to be physical. Yes, so um, with that being said, I am going to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. I'm going to hand the reins over to you uh, against my better judgment, and I'm going to sit back and see where the fuck this takes us. Do we want to dim the... Oh, well, you got to read. We can't dim the lights. Only so... if we want me to see. <laughs> yeah, so, well... Like that Japanese uh, scream inside your heart. Just close your eyes and pretend it's dark. Honestly, the book would probably make about as much sense if you just channeled it as it would as you're going to read these quotes. There's no way to make sense of this. (laughs) I am so fucking excited for this. All right. All right. You guys hit me with something. I need hit me in the vein, Doc. So he gives his uh, dedication to his lovely wife. Elizabeth Wilcock. I'm going to fuck your wife too, David. As well. Yeah, but as a solid to David. He's probably a cuck. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, when you're out on tour, I'm going to make sure your wife's taken care of. Yeah, we'll take care of her good. Yeah. Listen, David, we love you. I I don't know how many times we got to say that. We're just, we're joshing, bud. What what friends would do that for you? Yeah. Look, we'll kill people for you. Yeah. And fuck you. Fuck your wife. Yeah, either one. Or killer. Pleasure, pain, fucker, killer, fucker, yeah. and then killer, killer, and then fucker, either way. <laughs> Fuck, marry, kill. But, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's just, let me just give you oh, the opening boy. paragraph. All right, all right. Of, uh, David's book here. I gotta center myself. Go for it. The light bulb was burning brightly, despite all the glass being shattered. Shards of broken glass jutted out from the metallic base of the bulb like angry teeth, catching the starry glint of the filament as it continued to glow. And there he was, a mysterious black man sat crying on the staircase oh, of our family Jesus. home. No, no, no. <laughs> his filthy clothes were drenched in sweat and tears. He was shielding his faith face with both hands as he sobbed, resting his elbows on his knees. He was not invited. I, I had no idea who he was, what he was doing in our house, or why he was crying. Looking at looking again to the fragile tungsten filament, lit up perfectly without the protective shroud of the glass bulb, it happened. Light bulbs cannot burn when the glass is broken. That's what am I seeing not right true, now? But okay. <laughs> what am I seeing right now is what I am seeing right now is impossible. My God, I must be dreaming. Oh. None of this is real. Oh, and yet here I am right now. What a twist! Awake in the dream. Oh shit! He he ties it all together on the first page. First page. Holy shit! First page. Uh, first of all, that was just fucking nonsense. Like, none of that means anything. The fact that it had to be noted as a black man literally made me... <laughs> I laughed longer than it took me to read that page. Yeah, why Why did he bother? And also, yes, try it for yourself. If you break the glass on a light bulb and don't fuck up the filament, it will still turn on. Yeah, like, it probably won't work that well, but it'll... It will function. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're you're in contact with God. But, yeah, and then he goes on and just, I had finally done it. After weeks worth of practice and multiple failed attempts, I had awakened within a dream for the first time. 
becoming fully conscious and lucid. Ooh, lucid. All right, so he's going we're going to go lucid dreaming off the bat here. We're heavy on lucid dreaming and he continues on okay. talking about how uh the awesome popularity of superhero films uh-huh. uh may actually be the collective sub- subconscious preparing us to be able to have those powers. Oh, so this is like a predictive programming where they're where we're going to be able to fly and shit. So they're trying to program it into us. <laughs> well, at least that's a more positive take on uh, sort of that uh, that predictive programming thing where they put shit in movies and expect us to accept it. Yeah, like where uh, America's under control or something. Exactly. I'd, I'd much rather fly than be subjected to Chinese invasion. Dog, if I could be the Flash, that'd be rad. It'd be great. But uh, And then he goes on to protocols of lucid dreaming. The year was 1989. I was a 16-year-old student of the mystic scientist Dr. Stephen LeBurge. Oh, boy. Through reading his groundbreaking right, hold book. Hold on. Bring up the Megan's Law website and search that name. His groundbreaking book, Lucid Dreaming. He's really big into lucid dreaming in this one. Now, he always has been, but this one in particular. So Dr. LeBurge's method is called MILD. Okay. Which stands for mnemonic induction of lucid dreaming. Basically, it's the shit where you're supposed to like look at your hands, or like you come up with a word that you're supposed to say, or like tap a doorway. Or yeah, that shit. Okay. Yeah, so I've, I've just, done that before. Just the old basic bullshit. And then uh, his next, I, I made sure to underline all of his references because he was very specific about his references. <laughs> uh, in his in his book, Adventures Out of the Body, William Bublin. Bullman, excuse me, <laughs> recommends shouting out the words, Clarity now, if everything <laughs> starts fading away. I, I do that when I'm drunk. <laughs> I just, I just, Sobriety I, now! <laughs> That'd be a pretty good skill to develop, actually. Lucid drinking? <laughs> <laughs> We're just lucid drug addicts. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just lucid pu- uh, pill-popping. The idea of a fucking heroin addict just nodding off, going, Clarity now! Waking himself up. On the way over here, I did see a dude nodding off against a fence. It's too hot to be on heroin right now. I was about to say, you nod off outside today, you're probably just going to die of dehydration. It's, uh, yeah, it's like 105 where we are right now. Uh, it's It's not heroin weather. Then he goes on to talk about the lucid dreaming sleep masks. I don't know if you've seen any of those. Oh, is that the ones that, that shoot the lights at your eyes? Yeah, yeah. they have like the, the different lights to trigger you to wake up. Sort of, but not fully. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. None of this shit has ever worked for me. I've tried like a motherfucker to lucid no, dream. The reviews. Oh, I can do lucid dreaming. Like I can get there at that point. Uh, that's why I end up getting in arguments with my dreams. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I do it all the time. Uh, but it's a lot of effort to go through to be able to fly in your dreams. I think I've lucid dreamed once, and it was. Like, I just realized I was doing it, and then I woke up. But I'm also not going to spend fucking every day of my life trying to figure out, like you said, who yeah. cares if I can fly when yeah. I'm asleep. Yeah. But of course, to him, like, it, it's that's real. real. No, this is real. This yeah. is reality. That's, the dream world is real. Yeah, so he's he's actually just honing his superpowers. In fact, he goes on discussing meetings with the old man. Uh, the black you, old man. Uh I think, let me check real quick. I believe this goes back into the classic old man he had mentioned in his previous books who was just a white old man. 
I don't know where the black man came from, to be honest. As far as I remember, I don't think he actually brings it up again. All right, well, that's way funnier that the one black character he has broke into his house. And was crying. <laughs> yeah, the one the one time he brings up a black guy, it's because he fucking knocked into his uh, his glass window and crawled through. Which is like funny. Like a fucking ADT commercial. It's funny because he probably wasn't even dreaming, just some crackhead probably broke <laughs> into his yeah. house and was just having a meltdown on his couch. Wow. <laughs> it works. Yo, this is just like that synchronicity from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, when the black guy said he was going to rob me. He actually did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can no longer take basic reality for granted. Amen. You may find yourself wondering if our normal, everyday life may also be an elaborate illusion, another dream within a dream. Amen. And who is the dreamer? Is there some cosmic intelligence, some awareness that is within each of us who dreamed this entire universe into being? And if so, then what is reality? Perhaps even more important, who is reality? This sounds like shitty poetry you write when you're like 15. You know what comes up next? David's <laughs> shitty poetry from when he was 16. <laughs> All right, that that was not planned, folks. That was my legitimate first take. That was a synchronicity. Yes, David uh, would know that, that that is the world aligning for us. Because, yeah, that, that sounds like some woke shit you say to try and get some pussy in high school. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. fail miserably. Oh, yeah. yeah well, you'll, we'll get more into his upbringing as a child, and it'll answer a lot of those questions. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I'm yeah, almost, fr like, afraid to, to hear what... It's intense. ...what created this monster. It's intense. Uh, but he continues, who was this old man? What was this old man? Did he have something to do with what we would normally think of as God? And then here is his fantastic poetry, which he I'm makes so sure to note this. was done on an original Apple IIc. Well, that's incredibly important to know. Yeah. Just so you know, David's used computers since 1994. Very, very important to know that this was typed and not handwritten. Typed on a digital computer. On an Apple IIc. Yeah. The original fucking brick and a half box. God damn, he's so hateable. Ah, here it is. <laughs> Within me there exists a presence, old as time, yet fresh with ideas. And gay as fuck. <laughs> I feel him there like I feel the gentle beating of my heart. Oh, you feel it there, all right. He comforts me in my times of need and watches over me in times of danger. All right, is this another synchronicity where, where he is gay? I, nah, I'm going to feel bad if I've been calling a gay guy a faggot for like... Nah, he doesn't say he no. never... No, he's got a bitch. Okay. Oh, David gets easy. pussy, bro. I mean, okay. he's gay. He's just not gay. Oh, okay, I got yeah. you. I got you. All right, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt the poetry. I know not who he is, yet I sense where he has been. He has he has seen a simpler earth where the skies were filled with wonder and the crops were generous in times of hunger. Oh. He has been there at every battlefield, every sight of human emotions being put to the test. With him comes wisdom, feeling, and care. Hold on, put on an instrumental. <laughs> I want, I want well, here's the problem, is it's just a paragraph. He only accidentally rhymes that one time. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I wish this was rhyming prose. Yeah. That would have been way funnier. But uh, let's see. Uh, he has been there since the beginning, when the state of existence and all of space in itself was merely a thought that pierced through the white nothingness. This thought became matter, and he began to shape it with his loving hands. He is more than an entity. He is more than my lord. He is more than a man. 
Do you know who he is? <laughs> have, have you seen this man? Holy shit, that's Snaps bad. for David. Snaps for David. Wow. Even by 16-year-old standards, that fucking sucked. Now, personally... I don't entirely buy that this was from when he was 16. I kind of think he might have just... Oh, you think he's trying to like slide it I think he just wrote this and was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I wrote this when I was 16. It's okay. It's oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just... Because that makes... It's all right. Now, I also don't doubt the fact that he probably has these old notebooks, like, categorized somewhere. He's so immensely hateable. A man who starts documenting his every move... You'll find out why. It's not David's fault. It's his parents' fault. It, like, his focus seems to be, like, he, he thinks he's going to be a great man. And oh, he you'll must... see. You're, you're foreshadowing some fantastic stuff. All you, right. Synchronicity again. Cause... You won't believe it. Yeah, we're getting there. But yes, uh, shortly after his uh, poetry, he says, I actually felt more con- connected to him being the old man uh-huh. than I did to my own parents. And I would often cry when I woke up. And realized that our latest conversation was only a dream. Oh, no. David hates his parents. <laughs> oh, I am so shocked. Now, here is, and here's your synchronicity. From as early as I can recall, going back to age two, the man told me <laughs> that right. I was going to be a very, very famous person. He knew I was meeting rock stars with my father, who had been a music uh, journalist since Vietnam, uh... where he was stationed during Woodstock in 1969, and he took me to rock concerts where we usually got backstage passes. Of all the people that die in Vietnam, why couldn't it have been him? The old man wanted me to observe these celebrities and learn what their strengths and weaknesses were, identifying the mistakes that I would want to avoid later in life. All right, hold on. I just had a theory. What if he's a product of Agent Orange? Like, what if, what if this is some weird... This would be the best side effect. At least he got rich from it. Like, he didn't have microcephalopathy, blah, blah, blah. He's but, not retarded. He's just retarded. Yeah, he's he's retardedly optimistic. That is... It's it's the, the grandiose oh, he delusions was, that It all comes me. out. He's so fucking full of himself. Yeah, you can really tell the shift from early David when he was still trying to do some groundbreaking shit and yeah. make his name, and David, who's now gotten a whiff of himself and thinks he's the shit. Well, this is like self-validation. This is like him trying to convince himself he's good. It keeps going. Oh, it keeps going. And yes. also, no, you don't remember shit from when you were two. You you just don't. Oh, but David does. Yeah. <laughs> Of course he does. He remembers go- he remembers meeting Jimi Hendrix when he was two. Oh, and you'll never believe this. After he saw Star Wars in 1977, the old man began appearing as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi Master who could levitate objects with his mind. So, no, no coincidence at all that the person Real he's world. dreaming about is from Star Wars. Well, we all know that never happens. Yeah. Never, never do you have something happen in your normal life and have it also show up in your dreams. That would never happen. Let's see, another one That's of his... That's the real world. Another one of his cited works is uh, How to Make ESP Work for You by Harold Sherman. Now, I believe, not to cut you off, I believe that is the book he credits with like unlocking his supernatural abilities. It is from 68, so yes, I yes. believe that's correct. That is uh that that was the book that turned him into 
well, partially turned him into the monster he is today. Yes, and then he goes on, uh, this surprising success, because of course he was able to do it, uh, <laughs> led to my creating a psychic club with a few of my friends, Eric. Dylan uh, and Eric, <laughs> we attended. They would go around the corner of the kindergarten building, where out of my sight of earshot, and pick a number between 1 and 10. By following Sherman's protocols of going into a deep meditation and then taking the first piece of data that popped into my mind, however quiet or subtle it might have been, I was able to guess the correct number every single time. Now that I am adult, an adult, and my thoughts... No, no, you had it right. He's adult. He's, <laughs> he's not an adult. He's adult. He is adult. Yes. Now that I am an adult and my <laughs> thoughts tend to be significantly more cluttered, this performance would be very difficult to repeat. Oh, that well, that's convenient. You know, I used to be able to do uh, magic, but I, I I got old. Can't and, do it anymore. Well, things got cluttered. Yeah, I can't know, do magic. Too anymore. Too much info. Yeah, no, I used to. I totally could. But uh, he go conti- ask people. He I, continues. I could do it. He continues uh, discussing this incident, playing with friends, and uh, eventually they tried to trick him. But because his ESP is so powerful, David yelled out to them, "Come on back! You've already chosen the next number. It's seven. I thought they would be very excited about this, but it turned out they were so frightened that our club immediately broke up. Oh, no, he lost his friends. David has no friends. His ESP club, his extremely small penis club. Yes, and now you begin to see the shapings of his psychology. I. Those were the last friends he had. I can see why, um, but I, it's. Well, how annoying of a kid must he have been that you got that you're playing like some dumb fucking guess the numbers game, and you're such a prick about it that the kids are just <laughs> like, like, "All right, listen, fuck you, fuck man. you, man. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. You, I don't. Yeah, you, you fucking dweeb. Go talk to the old man in your dreams. Go rant about your uh, weight loss on your blog. Oh, and then here's one about him uh, getting clean. Uh, in a, in a very non-confrontational way, they asked me about my use of marijuana and helped me to see that I probably did need to quit at some point. I was definitely suffering from PTSD due to the almost unending abuse I had endured, such as from my fellow students who relentlessly attacked me for my abnormally high test scores and extra weight prior to when I lost 85 pounds on a disciplined diet. So he was just too smart and too fat for the other kids. He has PTSD from getting bullied in high school. That's how vicious it was. Yo, you gotta watch people die to get PTSD. You don't get it. You were. From... A, yeah, I'll actually take that back. You were a fat. fat I was. Kid. Yes, I was incredibly fat. But you were, and a, I had high test scores. But you weren't a dweeb. No, but uh, but I like that. That's what he thinks was the problem. Yeah, that he was too smart. And that he was a little too fat. Well, that's just like the most that it's it's overwhelmingly narcissistic. Like I, you know, the reason I didn't have friends, I was too smart. I was too good looking. I was too clever. Look, folks, you know, I have a few <laughs> friends. My inner circle's very tight. I was just too smart. You know, there's really terrible people out there. I it's used terrible. to guess numbers of Mexicans. Really, really nasty. I, really nasty folks. There's eight crossing the border. <laughs> but yeah, he uh, he gets to Trump level narcissism in this. I think he's already there. Yeah, yeah. he is uh, I told fucking you. on one. I told you, this is his opus. Let's see. <laughs> As we continue... God damn. Uh, oh, and in the next uh, section, he once again starts quoting himself. Uh, 
As revealed in the Ascension Mysteries, I realized there was a golden thread unifying all of these seemingly mysterious stories from my childhood, because it all has to make sense if it's involving David. David, I say this as a friend. Go to therapy. There's no fixing this. I, <laughs> like, see, you, I would you say need that, a therapist. I would say that, but with the amount of money he's making, why? Maybe there's just something wrong with everyone else. Well, you know what? Sometimes your addictions or your, your flaws can make you profitable. Look, uh, Juice World. But ultimately, they will be your downfall. So so maybe fix this before it's too late, David. Just just learn to uh, humble thyself. And then he goes on to talk about how he was uh, he had a tendency to sleepwalk as a child. Um, initially, just going to, why did this strange routine happen not once, not twice, but dozens of times to the point where it became ridiculous? Why didn't I even notice what time it was on the clock or how dark it was outside? but instead went through the entire process as if I was in some sort of trance. And this is because he would, like, get dressed for school at, like, 2 a.m., thinking it was time to leave. Is there anything normal that happens to him? Like, he... No, it's cascading levels of crazy. He just essentially took... He takes the list of weirdo shit, and he's just like, I can do not some of this, I can do all of it. And I do all of it so well that I don't have any friends. I'm yeah. so good at weirdo shit that no one could love me. Now, he does have another friend, and we continue on because this is where he talks about the dream that inspired his uh, screenplay. But uh, <laughs> perhaps my most influential teenage dream featured me getting lured Was into... Was being on Word Up magazine. ...and trapped in an underground facility where extraterrestrials were living and working on Earth. Some of them were using a strange technology to keep teenagers in a type of mind control. I had befriended one woman in the facility, but she couldn't break away like I was able to. I fought an incredible battle to make it to the control room using a technology with which I could manifest an entire spaceship out of thin air or transform <laughs> it into a battle suit that protected my body. This dream was so powerful that my friend Jude wanted to make it into a movie. Jude? And created an initial storyboard for it. Jew works in the movie business. Jude. Jude. <laughs> That's Jude. pretty fucking close. Yeah. I then wrote out the script as a short story, but after it was finished, it just sat in my archives. It was a total of 102 notebook pages, 60 in one book, and 42 in a second, smaller one. Thank you for clarifying, David. I was curious as to uh, which notebooks to check. Now, we won't go too deep into the screenplay because I'm going to release a fully voiced version of it because I believe this has potential as a blockbuster. Oh, yes. As uh, fair use uh, law dictates, we will be doing a reading yes. of Mr. Wilcox's play. Well, I'm giving birth to his creation. I think he'll appreciate it. Yeah, we want to we wanna give life to the great the great writings of the prophet David Wilcock. Look, I am been who watching lost eighty two pounds and didn't have friends in high school because of a very disciplined diet. <laughs> it's stuff like that that's just like who fucking cares? It's just like I think who all, fucking cares? Well, it's like one, all diets are are disciplined. That's I, why it's a yeah. diet. But yeah, the fact that he has to make his diet more important than My, yours. Mine is very disciplined. But let's just say that this entire screenplay is. Tropes on tropes on tropes. Oh, 
But uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't spend all these years watching cartoons not to get my uh, voice acting on. And if we have any uh, wannabe animators out there, <laughs> yeah, we're I'm, we're gonna steal David's script and make it into a movie before he can. Well, no, we'll just we'll give him something he can take to the studios. Oh, this will be like his uh, storyboard. Like he can yeah. he can his teaser trailer. Yeah, his pitch uh, his pitch deck. Oh God, who would he cast as himself? himself himself 100 percent. it would be himself or would he be like no tom cruise has to play me <laughs> yes brad pitt yeah. will play younger me and then tom cruise will play even younger me but just to get a taste of how long this screenplay is i did a rough recording and it was like 11 minutes which is what like 10 written pages 15 written pages in the book it's like that's six pages yeah that's and a- once again he said his notebook was a hundred and two, because sixty and one, forty-two in the other. Yes, I don't know if he's just throwing those numbers out there to like try and, you know, Jackie Robinson wore forty-two. He's, he's a black man. He loves numbers. Wait, wait, wait. All right, hold on. No, Go Jackie Robinson, uh-huh. forty-two. Uh huh. Black man. Uh huh. Black man in his dream. Oh God. I don't know where to go from there, but there's something. Jackie Robinson broke into his house. Jackie Robinson was crying in David Wilcox's house because he broke the light bulb. I thought this was a rich man's house. (laughs) Please shut up about (laughs) your dreams. I'll do anything to make you stop talking. Dog, I swear I'm real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's some good stuff, and I truly... I mean, I guess he does have... He has a movie being made. I don't think that's this same script. Well... Something tells me after uh, former New York Times bestselling author David Wilcock goes uh, number 10 in the channeling category on Amazon, his uh, some of his blockbuster projects may be getting postponed due to uh, lack of interest. Well, by blockbuster, he meant they're going to be on uh, YouTube. <laughs> he meant the one blockbuster that's left up in Oregon, like the video <laughs> store. Yeah. It's going to be for rent on VHS up there. All right, everybody needs to strap in now because we get to the synchronicities chapter. Okay, all right. This uh, lay it on me. This chapter was hard to get through. The uh, this is the only thing you've given me. Yeah, a I, taste. Of. I had to show John just a little bit because it's. I got two sentences of this and tapped out. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe and difficult to follow at times not hard to believe the synchronicities it's hard to believe a man would derive meaning from yeah. what he yeah the amount yeah. of stuff he takes meaning from is yeah the just numbers insane the numbers themselves are not unbelievable it's his uh idiocy that's unbelievable yeah and on top of the synchronicities he gets heavy into the numerology uh, uh. so <laughs> once i became a driver i had a ridiculous number of odometer synchronicities as well. Very important. He really focuses on his odometer. It's very important to focus on the odometer. Uh, there that's, was that's God's uh, that's God's fucking Sudoku board. Yeah, that's what they say. So here, as I have said in previous books, I had one exceptionally bizarre event sequence of synchronicities in what would otherwise have been a typical trip to the health food store for groceries. It was in the Robin's Food Warehouse in New Paltz, New York, which is no longer in business. Once again, just unnecessary detail on top of unnecessary detail. Health food store, it's now closed. In New Paltz, yeah. New York? Yeah, like, just shut up, David. Get to the point. 
By looking back in my notes, I tracked the first of these events to April 21st, 1996. Day at after the, Hitler's birthday. At the time, I was vegan and mostly lived on rice and beans, for that was all I could afford, working at two cents above minimum wage. I scooped my dry goods into plastic bags, and at least two of them were precisely 0.99 pounds when I weighed them. Sweet fucking Christ. Though I made no apparent effort to be that precise. Wow. <laughs> now, all right, now that's a different level of narcissism. The idea that he could do that intentionally if he really wanted to. Uh-huh. Now, he doesn't point out that those scoops are measured no, that's one thing that I don't think anyone told him is that's the whole point of how those scoops are built is so that they scoop one pound. Yeah, that'd be like me using a teaspoon to measure something out and being like, when I poured it out, it was exactly a teaspoon. It was. You're not going to believe this, guys. I used a measuring cup. It came out to exactly what I put in there. It, it was a half a cup yeah. on the money. Yeah, the fact that he just thought there's just like random scoops. <laughs> yeah, like people are using fucking fentanyl spoons to to scoop their rice and beans. And then uh, other items came out to a triple-digit synchronicity number in their price. Wow. I only had $20 to spend, and the price tag came out to exactly $19.99. Wow. Then on my way home... <laughs> I reached a certain intersection in the middle of the country on North Ohioville Road. I saw repeating digits on my odometer and repeating digits on my clock. That's how the fucking number system works, you jackass. 555. <laughs> At the exact same time. Sweet credit. All right, hold on. Now, uh, how did he only have 555 miles on his odometer? I guess if you're just tracking the trip. I think maybe he means the last three digits. That's how I, I take it. Uh, Let me look up what actually, 555 means well, in numerology, though. He just says, I saw repeating digits. I'm I'm going to my numerology website to, okay. Well, he doesn't note anything that the numbers mean. It's just the fact that they're there. Well, in which case, we can now officially claim fair use because I will be adding on to what it is that he's doing. We're expounding upon. Yes, the numbers 555 are your angel's way of telling you that it's time to let go of the things that are no longer working for you and to replace them with new and better ones, like maybe different ideas about numbers on your odometer. Well, you fucking dummy. Even more bizarre was that on a subsequent subsequent trip to Robbins on September 9th, 1996. Is that the health food store? Yes. In New Jersey? <laughs> I had the exact same type of synchronicity sequence take place. This time again, I had a random scoop of rice weigh out at exactly <laughs> .99 pounds. I did, the God, fact did that it, it happened twice and his thought was, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. I, uh, and not, <laughs> hey, do all these scoops come out to a pound? <laughs> yeah, he went for the most fantastical explanation possible instead of l the actual explanation. Yeah, like I get why they told him to stop smoking weed. <laughs> he must have been a fucking nightmare when high. Oh, and here he continues, my grocery bill came out to $19.19, and the date I wrote on the check was the 19th. Wow. Then as I drove back to the exact same intersection as before, my odometer hit 130444, and the three-digit gas odometer was at 333. I had wondered if I should travel back to that intersection at night and wait for some kind of UFO contact, 
But I was never oh, brave oh, enough to try oh, it out. Wait, what the fuck? Oh, where? <laughs> that was a hell of a jump. Well, you see, he had more than one synchronicity at one intersection, so he figured aliens would show up. I wish I could live my life this way. I wish I could buy, like, I just went to Food for Less, and I bought, like, some instant coffee and fried chicken. I wish I would have remembered that number and just thought, like, well, this means aliens are going to come talk to me. Well, he doesn't explain the 130444 <laughs> other than the three repeating fours. Yeah, I'm guessing the triple. F- uh, maybe he meant uh, Jay-Z's album. Because he talks <laughs> about the three digits, but then he never mentions the 130. So it's like, oh, the first three digits don't matter. It's only the last three. It's whichever digits are convenient to his uh, I, self-lies. I, but I think he believes his man. I, I have... I get no hints of of inauth- of of fakeness in this. This is very authentic. Oh no, he doesn't have self awareness. He he yeah. lacks the awareness to realize how dumb this is. Like he should be severely ridiculed for putting this into the written form. Well, let's which continue is what on. I feel like my job is. Because now David does voodoo. Uh, I experienced karma, the negative and painful side of synchronicity. Thank Christ. As almost instantaneously and utterly inevitable. I would marvel at the people. The dick was six inches. I would marvel at it people. It was inserted six times. <laughs> it was retracted six times. He came six times <laughs> yeah. in six hours. It was six squirts upon my back. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I would, uh, I would marvel at people who would crash through life thinking they could get away with anger, jealousy, control, dominance, manipulation, lying, stealing, and other negative behaviors. It was also painful to note their own inability to see the consequences of their actions in their daily lives, regardless of how seemingly obvious the connection was to me. Any significant, A genius like him, though. Any significantly upsetting attack against my basic happiness and peace of mind was usually followed by a distressing personal upheaval for that person, such as an unexpected accident or severe illness. In multiple cases, friends and associates attacked me heavily enough that they went through greatly debilitating and even life-threatening karma. All right, so now he's saying he's on, like, some children of the corn shit, like he's banishing people to the cornfield. God is smiting his enemies. All right, David, it's on site. I'm fucking you up when I see you, bro. I I don't mean physically. Of course not physically. I Uh, mean... I got questions, I mean mentally. I got lots of questions. Yes, I would never threaten violence against a man who's too stupid to realize what satire is. And then, uh, and then for like the next <laughs> chapter and a half, he just goes over like bland eleventh grade dream analysis. This is making me the superconscious Carl Jung. He quotes himself again a few times. This is he, making me legitimately angry. He really likes Carl Jung. <laughs> I assure you, he's too stupid to understand it. Oh no, he's so smart that he comes up with his own archetypes. <laughs> he, he adds which is on what, to it. Which is what Young is kind of known for, like the psychological archetypes. Yeah, David. Uh, David gives us his own understanding and and thoughts on the subject. Well, Young got it wrong, you know. So, so here's uh, here's some of the ones that may appear in your dreams from David's experience. Huge douchebag. Family archetypes. The father, stern, powerful, controlling. The mother, feeding, nurturing, soothing. The child, birth, beginnings, salvation. Story archetypes. The hero, rescuer, champion. The maiden, purity, desire. The wise old man, knowledge, guidance. The magician, mysterious, powerful. Earth mother, nature. 
The witch or sorceress, dangerous. The trickster, deceiving, hidden. Animal archetypes, the faithful dog, unquestioning loyalty. The enduring horse, never giving up. The devious cat, self-serving. <laughs> he's, he's just talking about shit that exists. Yes. <laughs> like... None, none of that was his own. It, it doesn't take a fucking brilliant psychologist to, to. I am stunned. Like I am literally lost for words and how fucking stupid this is. Well, we get to the next chapter, and and I believe this statement here is pretty much David's life philosophy. Uh, most important, remember that the language that dreams use to teach us is lessons. Uh, teach us lessons is symbolism. If you can remember a dream. You always want to begin by an, by analyzing it through the language of metaphor and symbolism instead of taking the events that occurred in it as a literal statement of fact. Yes, it's all always good to take uh, concrete things and then put a shroud of uh, sorcery upon them. I think that's how and David... And then interpret everything through that uh, mist of mysticism. Yes, I believe that's how David handles just about everything. Forget the facts. What what symbolism is there? What metaphor? What shit can I make up? To <laughs> fuck, I hate him. I'm I'm. Wait, all right. I don't mean that. Listen, David. You know what's happening? I hate he's you. He's smiting me. I hate you like I hate you like a a cousin. No, no, no. This is oh, I, this is his karma coming on to you. Right. Like I'm getting Ooh, mad at how karma. dumb he is, and now now I'm experiencing internal trauma. Based on my own difficulties processing the genius that he's proselytizing. Well, in let this me book. Let me give you more of his thoughts on dream analysis. Right, so maybe I'm, you can heal yourself. I'm gonna try and calm myself down. Just try and take it, take it as it comes. Let's see. So this is after his 27 years of studying how the symbols. How old was he when he said he studied symbols for 27 years? Because I'm gonna guess uh, he was like 29. He started in college. No, I think he was around. 19 or 20 he started doing it early you'll find out why it was his mother but yeah he started doing he he was born into this you'll get it you'll get it but uh so in his basic <laughs> it's like a villain's origin story yeah a hapless villain yeah <laughs> but uh so to begin with animals apply these symbols to the dreams of others or excuse me to begin with animals represent the more primitive parts of yourself okay uh, children usually represent your own inner child that's very creative. Female characters typically represent the more nurturing, caring, and compassionate parts of yourself. Well, no one else thought of that. Whereas masculine characters represent those parts of you that go out into the world and take action. Uh-huh. You can obviously meditate on gender symbolism and take it much further than the basic concepts, because the trans community would have come for him. The, uh, I... I just Con keep going. Continuing. Just, just keep going. The dream will attempt to show you how you were creating problems you experience. Okay, I agree with that sometimes. Another symbol that is surprisingly common in my dreams and seems to be relatively standard with whoever I talk to... Big black dicks. ...is the bathroom. <laughs> All right, I wasn't that far off. In physical terms, <laughs> the bathroom is where we relieve ourselves of to toxic materials... That is no longer needed in the body. All right, no, you're fucking with me. He's not writing this shit. In dream, Give me that fucking book. I don't believe this. <laughs> in dream symbolism, bathrooms almost always symbolize how we are processing and releasing our most toxic emotions. He's obviously never had the dream where you're going to the bathroom and you pissed the bed. Yeah, it means he drank too much fucking water before he went to sleep. Now, 
props to him for not peeing himself, but... <laughs> yeah, you, David's a big boy. Let's see. Insomnia is almost always caused by our failure to process our emotions in an adequate fashion. Now, oh, all right, another synchronicity. I didn't sleep last night. I'm running on zero hours of sleep right now. I got, like, four. So, maybe, maybe... I couldn't process my emotions properly last yeah. night. You just you're there's something wrong with you. You're yeah. just not David. I knew I I knew I would have to listen to this and I wasn't going to be able to accept the truth. <sighs> Continuing on. My own experience has proven that certain symbols seem fairly universal in different people's dreams. So of course David's dreams are everyone's dreams. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, he's the universal man. He's the Vitruvian yeah. man. In using the example of the abusive boss, you might have a recurring nightmare where your office is flooding. This is a clear sign that you are being flooded with negative emotions about your boss. It, it's, it's so just basic. Like, if you have a dream about being stabbed in the back by someone, you might feel thoughts of betrayal. Although some of these dreams may also feature bathrooms, I have countless hundreds what? of other dreams <laughs> Wait, with the... flooding water where no bathroom appears. Well, that's important to note. So he has hundreds of dreams where just out of nowhere, water randomly just starts pouring on him. I I, I hope it's just someone sticking his hand in a warm bowl of water, getting him to piss himself. Oh, that'd be great. Raw has come to uh, collect urine samples. So if you have a nightmare... Uh -huh. That involves being buried in soil or otherwise features negative experiences with earth touching your skin. It very likely means that you have a desperate need to get grounded. You are not adequately taking I, care of the responsibilities in your life. There's just, it's. He, I told you, this is where he goes off the deep end. David's dream analysis is fucking nuts. Well, it's not even metaphor. It's literal. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you touch the ground, it means you need to be grounded. If you touch the sky, you need to take flight. Oh, he keeps going. Similarly, the speed with which you travel through the dream landscape indicates how rapidly you are making spiritual growth. After years of study, I also concluded that extraterrestrial or angelic beings show up in everyone's dreams, whether they realize it or not. So I, I annotated that David's not crazy because no one's crazy. Yeah, if, if they show up in everyone's dreams. That's pretty much his argument, is David can't be crazy because nobody's crazy. Which, Ooh. that's it. That's creative. I never would have thought of that defense. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. I'm yeah. not crazy. No one's crazy. <laughs> crazy Crazy is a made-up concept. Crazy is a crazy concept. Let's see. And then we uh, we continue on to... Hold on. Just to piss me off more, what page are we on? 48. Of 576, I believe. Five, is, no, no, not quite. It's five, uh, 530, pretty much. 530. 530, yeah. yeah. So we've got a lot of bullshit in, in just, 48 pages. Just in this first part, we have another 100 pages. Oh... I told you. I told you there was a reason I had to take it in doses. It's. I was gonna say I might need like a, a, a at a certain point here. I might need to like take a five minute break and do a lap around the room. Well, we can we can talk about how uh, David gets sober. Okay, uh, this I would love to hear. In my own case, I once had a nightmare while while I was half asleep on the floor of my friend Jude's house. This occurred while we were working on an album together in the early fall of 1993. 
a year after I, a year after I had gotten sober in the fall of 92. I had lost weight, stopped wearing black clothes, and cut <laughs> my heavy metal hair. But in my dream, I had an exaggerated ogre-type villain with these same qualities who was chasing after me. I had a handgun tucked in the front of my pants, and I knew I could turn around and shoot him and bring an end to this. Uh, For some reason, I did not want to take this final step, and instead chose to just keep running. At this moment, Jude spoke in his sleep and instantly woke me up. In a distressed-sounding voice, he said, Dude, you're pissing all over yourself. Shoot him. Just shoot him. Two bullets. He was he was talking to the hitman. He was trying to hire to get David out of his apartment. Yeah, and then he talks about... Please kill him. Please he, make him leave. He meant two bullets to your head. Yeah, you double tap. But uh, And then he goes on to talk about AA. As they said in the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, it is all too easy to become AA. He went a, to AA? Yeah. For it, marijuana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they said in the Alcoholics Anonymous meetings, it is all too easy to become a dry drunk... Yeah. Where you still have all the same bad habits you had when you were an addict, only you were not actually using your former substance of choice. So no, so now he's just taken straight from the big book. Yeah. Now part of the connection to this is once he stopped smoking pot, he claims, and this is true, his dreams came back. And I'm sure they came back with a vengeance. Oh yeah, you get wild dreams if you smoke mm-hmm. weed and then stop, you will get... Fucking so, crazy ass dreams. I can see man prone to craziness who believes some of this shit already. Stop smoking weed, has some wild ass lucid dreams, and it's all downhill from there. And and then that's just that's fucking game over. They wrote the rest of his life. That yep. that one, if he just kept smoking weed, he would just got a job as a social worker or something. Which is what, and what, we could have avoided this whole fucking disaster. And that's my goal, David. We're gonna smoke weed again, bro. It's cool, <laughs> dog. It's twenty twenty. You can smoke weed. We're good. Yeah, we're good. Dog. You're not addicted. You nope. don't need to go to AA. Yeah, you're good. No one's gonna trip. Uh, then he's then he finally gets into the law of one, and he breaks down color symbolism for a couple pages. <laughs> I won't even read that. It was wildly boring. He literally has a paragraph for red, orange, yellow, green, light blue, indigo, violet. Does he have one for black? No. Uh, oh, no. okay. He's he's being politically cl- uh, correct. The, the law of one doesn't use black as a color. Oh, okay. All right. Um. Let's see. Practical applications. Nobody gives a fuck about your practical applications. Yes. What practical oh. applications did you now? Have chapter coloring? four: A scientific overview. Oh, I'm I'm sure it'll be very thoroughly scientific. Dreams may not appear to be worth your time if you adhere to the sophism that time is money. All your life, you have been taught that prophecy and psychic phenomena is not scientific. And that if you dare to believe that an accurate prophecy has actually occurred, you are suffering from delusions. Yeah. Sounds like he's been told that a few times. Yeah, where I... I've been able to predict the future. Like, no, I think you need to be on medication. Like, no, I'm just going to write books. But uh, talking about (laughs) deviating from social norms, the word poor also refers to someone who has no money, and without money, you will likely have a very difficult life. Worst of all, if you actually fail a grade, you risk losing your friends. The following year, you have to start over with a class of entirely new and younger people, while everyone else carries on without you. I think David skipped a grade, or repeated a grade. I Which, think everyone it, also just did carry on without him because he was a fucking miserable cunt. Well, it would explain why, he, why the no friends compounded. 
Yeah. No friends to begin with. Then you gotta repeat a grade. And now you're the weirdo who's yeah. fucking guessing numbers like you're the fat crazy kid. <laughs> but uh then he keeps talking about other scientists that he believes he's in the same field as, such as Nicholas Copernicus, oh, Galileo Galilei, Isaac Newton, Benjamin Franklin, Albert Einstein, and the Wright brothers. The only doctor I would compare him to is Mangala. Well, from a young age, David realized that science is still evolving. <laughs> from a young age, I've realized if I just change the definitions of things, well, it, was funny because it makes it make sense to me. Basically, what he's saying is his science hadn't caught up with his intellect yet. No. Well, As yeah, a child, it, he was too far ahead of science for anyone to understand. Well, in that list, he listed people who, you know, invented forms of mathematics and the like. He's saying he did the same here. He's yeah, invented something, and now the rest of the world has got to catch up to what he invented. He calls himself a consciousness expert. That's not a thing. Oh. Let's see. A philosophical argument. In philosophy, the word That's argument. science. In philosophy, the word <laughs> argument is used to describe a conversation between two philosophers in which they discuss whether certain new ideas might actually be true or not, in case you didn't understand what an argument is. It does. Is someone holding him hostage next to a typewriter? Because, you know, it is no accident that PhD stands for Doctor of Philosophy. Uh, it, so what, David? He's gotta, so what? He's trying to appear legit, man. What? What? You don't have a doctorate, David. He he likes to, for those of you who uh, um, haven't seen Mr. Wilcox's work previously, he likes to say that all the research he's done is the equivalent of having like five doctorates or some shit. He doesn't have a fucking doctorate. The dude's no. fucking retarded. No. And then, uh, David, please come on the show. I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd like to. This has made me want to talk to him so much more. Oh, I, I I will put this out there. I'm willing to pay. Yeah. David, I will pay you to come on the show and have a conversation. Dog, even better. Like, we'll, we'll fucking sell books, bro. Yeah. I, I, I want to support the cause. At, a, at our next public gathering, I will fucking go out there and I, I will carry a stack of your books and sell them. Let's see. He references the, ma markup. the Matrix. And then we finally get to the original briefing where he's... UFO career begins. It was this in the oh, same semester. College. In the same semester when I thought. All right, hold on. It, it, he tells this story in every fucking thing he does. He does recycle. I bit. have not read this book. I have heard this story. I don't even know how many times. Well, he gets a little more specific in this one. This is the story about the roommate who talks with the professor. And uh -huh. the pro yeah, okay, okay. Uh -huh. David, write fucking something new. Uh -huh. It's been 20 goddamn years. Uh -huh. Anything but, new. But that professor said they were real. <laughs> but also conveniently said, if you ask me about this again... I, I will deny it. <laughs> I will deny it. <laughs> this message will self-destruct in five minutes. In fact, I don't have it underlined, but it, there's some part where he basically says, like, well, of course he has to say he would deny it or else they would come after him. <laughs> it's it's amazing that he doesn't realize everything conveniently allows his truth to exist. Yeah. yeah. Everything bends to form his truth. 
nothing nothing fights back against his reality no he is the he's he neo. is the creator he's of neo. reality yeah. yeah he is the architect in the matrix yeah uh, and then he talks about how aliens gave us LEDs, infrared chips, fiber optics. Vel- I'm fine with that. Velcro. Is that the the Roswell crash? Uh, it talks Shit. about a handful of crashes, but yeah, he cites day after Roswell. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, but I'll, I'll I'll take that. We got Velcro from aliens. Sure, why not? That's one of the least crazy things. Yeah, that's, he said in this book. That's the least crazy thing. Yeah, I'll I'll take that over all the fucking. I bought nine pounds of rice, and it came out to exactly this, and that <laughs> meant. Aliens were going to appear uh, at a fucking intersection in Boston. Not that they were going to appear, but he considered, should I come back here at night in case they do? Can you imagine him having to explain why he was there to a police officer or something? Oh, uh, Sir, I bought rice earlier and it came out to exactly 0.99 pounds. <laughs> and that means aliens are probably going to show up at this intersection. Sir, I need you to step out of your car. <laughs> How much have you been drinking tonight, sir? <laughs> no, I'm stone cold. So, Sir, I, that's worse. That's I've worse. Been, that's far worse. We're going to yeah. get the Thorazine. All right. Turn your dash cam off. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> yeah, we're going to put him down. But uh, let's Black see. Lives Matter, his life doesn't. Once I began studying the UFO subject in 1993, I did my best to assess the validity of claims in each of these categories. In the least scientific way manageable. As a general rule, if the same point showed up in three completely unrelated sources that are unaware of each other, I am more likely to consider that the information might be true. Well, that's good, because it's not like three people could like conspire to make something up, like uh, David Wilcock. Corey Gooden, Emery Smith. No, you know, three three sources. That's three all you sources, need. that's if, all you need. If three separate individuals say the same thing, it must be true. And Pete Peterson, I guess, could be tossed in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got plenty of sources. He's uh, got plenty of sources. Uh, and then uh, at the end of this chapter, he gives a brief excerpt from his previous book, The Synchronicity Key. In all which right, he, oh, hold on. So now he's doing Karate Kid 3. He released, this is about the Edgar Casey story, and yeah, it takes up the last two pages. So for those of you who don't know, Karate Kid 3 opens up by just showing like the first 15 minutes of Karate Kid 2. Mm-hmm. So David Wilcock just fucking Karate Kidded his book. Look, if you're looking for sources that are going to agree with you and you're David Wilcock, you obviously go to yourself. <laughs> you cite David Wilcock. That's the other thing that drives me insane is he is very proud of the amount of sources he has in well, all his books. That's why I made a point to underline all the sources when I came across them because I wanted to see who he was quoting. And it's about one-to-one him to someone else. Yeah, it turns out a lot of those 500 are just his own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. He, shockingly, he agrees with himself. Now, as his search went on, eventually he discovered that some people on Earth appear to have souls that are significantly more advanced spiritually than most. One term we will encounter for such people is wanderers. And he ends this uh, chapter saying, If you have been interested enough to pick up this book and are still reading it now, the the chances are well, well above average that you yourself may be a wanderer. All right. If so, you owe I'm it to yourself here. to commit to discovering the answer, and I will discuss tools that can help you find it. Buy my next book. <laughs> so we're all just wanderers. No, I will give him this. This book, I haven't gotten to the predictions yet, but once you put predictions down, this is your this is your shot. Yeah, he calls his shots later in this book. He's I'm calling a shot. We will get to that in uh, future breakdowns, but... He, he, this is his prophecy. He, yeah. He wrote down his, 
his golden tablets uh-huh. and, and pointed to center field with with his limp baseball bat and and, and his newly tanned skin. His, <laughs> he does not look good. And by I, that, I mean, David, I love you. Honestly, please... I, can't, I can't tell if he doesn't look good or if he looks great. <laughs> I really need to know what's going on with his build. Because I genuinely can't tell if he's gotten fat or if he's gotten, like, yoked. Everyone go look at his YouTube channel and compare videos from, like, a year ago to a video from last week. Because he's definitely tan, and he definitely looks bigger. I just can't tell if it's built bigger or if he's just getting fluffy. You know what I think? I think he went and was just like, well, Donald Trump is fucking super tan. I'm just going to go full Trump. I mean, he loves Donald. I know. That's that's what I mean. Like, I think he's trying to emulate the guy who's going to bring down the pedophile ring. It's a little late in the game to be doing that. You really better hope he's going to win. If that and his, his his hair appears to be thin. I don't want to make fun of man's physical oh, He's parents. always had good hair. I want to make fun of his uh, deteriorating mental health. Yeah, the only thing I'll make fun of phys- his physical appearance was that really gay shirt he wore in that lecture where he made a real point about how sparkly the shirt was. Yes, his sequin shirt that made him look like a, a 70s... I appreciate Singer. I appreciate that you like the shirt, David, but boy, was that a gay shirt. Uh, all right, I'm not even... If if you don't have anything nice to say, record it on a podcast so everyone else can hear you say it. Yeah, yeah. Say it where everyone can hear <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, say, say it out loud and pretend like you're saying it amongst friends. All right, we're about halfway through. Holy shit. So he goes over uh, some more investigations. He talks about scalar waves... Which are, of course, one of the conspiracy go tos about how we can travel faster than the speed of light. And well, and those who don't know, uh, Carrie Cassidy from Project Camelot, every time like her microphone fucks up during an interview, she's just like, uh, the CIA is using their scalar weapons against me. It's like, no, Carrie, you don't know how to use Pro Tools. That's a fantastic excuse. Yeah, she just, every time there's a fucking malfunction of electronics, it's. The the powers that be are using scalar weapons. Hmm. Continuing on, much of my knowledge of physics was acquired by reading articles and books online, <laughs> where credentialed independent scholars were tearing apart the existing models and pointing uh, out their numerous embarrassing flaws. Embarrassing. This embarrassing was what, flaws. This was what triggered the origin of my nine-foot-long collection of printed books of internet research. Printing Wait, this. Oh, co- oh, hold on. I got, let me finish the paragraph. <laughs> okay. Printing this complex material into books allowed me to get away from computer screens and spend long hours sitting and contemplating the meaning of the words. Why? So he was printing out articles and indexing them into his own books. Why? Why did he measure it in feet? To show you how many books he had. The only time I've heard that is in Harry Potter. Where nine they're, they're foot home. tall articles. If you stack <laughs> sheets of paper, nine feet tall, that's how many pieces of paper he oh, read. Oh, yeah, it was nine feet tall. I thought it was nine feet long. Well, he said nine like feet a, long, but I think he means nine feet tall. Oh, I, I pictured it like a CVS receipt where it's just fucking <laughs> long as shit. Just a scroll? Yeah, just a giant, like a... Like a uh, Snape would make you write an essay at Hogwarts. Yeah, no, he says you gotta nine... write two and a half feet of parchment on uh, being a fucking dumb idiot. He says nine feet long, but yeah, I love that he was. I mean, maybe this is just a a trait all real conspiracy theorists have, where they print out internet articles for physical copies because Alex so Jones disappear. Alex Jones does it. Yeah. Apparently, David does it. But yeah, the the effort it would take to if I were to print out 
categorize, catalog, and organize every article I read, I'd do that all day. That all That's all I'd be able to do. There'd be no room where I'd live. Yeah. I, I would live in a filing cabinet. And I just love that he felt like printing them out was better than sitting in front of the screen. And again, it's one of those things where he's trying to brag about how much yeah. information he's... Well, and he's trying to seem cool. Like, no, it was too cool to read it on the computer, so I printed it out. Like, what if it was just 64-point font and the articles were all five sentences? Yeah. yeah. He just doesn't address... Like, there's so many yeah. fucking things he just doesn't address. Eh, unimportant. David, you're a dumb fucking man. But you're I, a very dumb man who thinks he's smart. He continues on to talk about some of his research, uh, including a three-dimensional... Uh, David, please called, research just sticking your head underwater and leaving it there. Scalar potentials, the electrostatic and magnetic waves we map out in today's science textbooks, are tracing only the outlines of those hidden three-dimensional energy structures. Of course. By eliminating the scalar potentials from our discussion, we actually lost an entire branch of science that could d dramatically accelerate our technology. Well, you know those stupid physicists who got all those stupid degrees. Well, he has a degree in uh, uh, nothing. No, uh, psychology. Nothing. That makes this way worse. I believe <laughs> he mentions it at some point. Well, we'll find out. But that, that could be one of his uh, made-up degrees, where he's like, "I I read a book once, uh, so I, I have a degree in psychology." I didn't fact check it, but uh, <laughs> continuing on, he does indeed say. I had reason to believe that geometry was the hidden key to solving the greatest scientific mysteries of the universe. All right, once again, that's one of the least crazy things he said. I'll, I'll well, give him sacred geometry. No, no, he didn't say sacred geometry. Just normal-ass geometry? He just said geometry. <laughs> so, yes, geometry is a fundamental way of understanding math. Okay, yeah, yes. well, he's catching on. But the entire entire electromagnetic wave was apparently traveling along in the shape of a tetrahedron, which is his favorite shape. You would think we'd be able to pick that up. He really loves tetrahedrons. You in would fact, think we'd be able to pick up... In fact, a few pages later, he diagrams how a tetrahedron could fit exactly into a circle. You could fit any shape in a fucking circle. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you could put whatever shape you fucking want in a now, circle. Now, if I remember correctly... You put a triangle... If I remember, no bipyramidal. If I remember correctly, the point of that was that uh, something about 19 and a half degrees. Hold on. We'll get there in a second. But this is some more background on David, which explains him okay. a little more. All right. Yeah, give me uh, the backstory. That's all I'm here for at this point. My great-grandfather, Frederick Wilcock, designed and built the New York City subway system with a Juris Doctor degree in law and a Ph.D. in engineering. All right. Those do not transfer to you, to David. Just My my grandfather, Donald F. Wilcock, had a Ph.D. in engineering with over 80 different patents, mostly in the field of bearings and lubrication. And beating children until they were retarded. My grandfather taught me to have a passion for science from a very young age, and the mystery of these geometric vortexes ignited my curiosity like nothing before. So you see, he comes from a line of intellectuals. Yes, a long line of intellectuals. And then he goes on to talk about how uh, the other three corners of the tetrahedron, when put into a circle, always appear at the opposing 19 and a half degree latitude, exactly 120 degrees apart from each other. That would be how geometry works, David, yes. Mm -hmm. And most important, this tetrahedron of energy is not visible 
or measurable in our own third dimension. Well, that's convenient. The thing he believes is impossible to prove. The tetrahedron does not glow with anything like a dim blue light that could show us where it was. You can't touch it. We can only see its after effects on the physical matter of planets, such as the Great Red Spot, Great Dark Spot, Hawaii, or Olympus Mons. One of those things was not like the other. Uh, why is more Hawaii? Than, <laughs> I think more of those things is not like the other. It's a very random one. Yes, he didn't specify which island. <laughs> yeah, why is... He went, like... Uh, doesn't matter. Keep going. Keep going. He continues... This is going to be a nine-hour episode if I keep getting mad. He continues, uh, and then he goes on to Venus. The thick atmosphere of Venus prevents us from seeing if it has a similar volcano at the 19.5-degree point on its surface, but it probably does. Well, that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Listen, when you make up some bullshit, it's probably safe to assume that you can just apply it to whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to one of my other favorite experiments, whereas if you spin a ball uh -huh. and have it rotating before you shoot it in a slingshot, uh, it doesn't make any sense within our conventional Newtonian physics. For example, spinning objects are not supposed to, de to defeat gravity simply by rotating. But now we know that they actually do, at least in part. Because what he's implying is, is if you spin it and then shoot it, it'll go like farther than if you just shot it. So uh, literally rotating is all you had to do. I mean, isn't that we kind of, doesn't that have to do with like wind resistance and drag yeah, and like... You're dissipating energy. Like... Or no, excuse me, I, I, I misquoted David. The, uh, the one you shoot without rotation will just go further. But the one you shoot with the rotation will go up faster, but then will fall quicker as well. Which is, yes, because it's dissipating more energy. Because it's rotating and dealing with wind resistance. I challenge David Wilcock to fucking take one physics class at a college and pass it. Look, this is why I'll always say I may not believe the scientists, but I'm not the one who can do the math. And clearly neither can David. He didn't even get into it, but we have no current reason to expect that a rotating object will lay, weigh less than a stationary object. No, we don't. We have, we have no reason to expect that. But now we know that it does. Yeah, all right. In 2019, we finally saw some exciting movement in this direction from official sources. And this is where he cites that uh, the U.S. Navy has formally acknowledged that they have a working repulsive gravity system. And by working, because I did look this up because it was interesting, they have, like, theories, like, basic maybes. Oh, no, that means it's totally yeah. real and totally working. No, nah, they figured it out. Yeah, they got it. They, they totally figured it out. Let's see. After David wrote about these patents on his website, a reader pointed out that the name Salvatore Paris, or Pais, translates as Savior of Our Nation in Spanish. This suggests that the Navy is deliberately releasing this technology to help save the planet from the ravages of coal, oil, gas, and automotive transportation. There is hardly any, any information on Salvatore Pais, and at this point we can speculate that he may have been assigned to file these patents because of his suggestive name. Uh, so they just found the dude with the name they wanted and were like, hey, you, you got a cool name. You want to you wanna... file this patent, bro? So cool guy... Cool name guy files patent. Yes. Uh, we, we just yes. took a brief break. I had to fucking clear my head for... Uh, it's a lot to take. I had to shake my head like a fucking Etch-A-Sketch to, to try and just become become one with the crazy. Yes, but continuing on about the hyperdimensional 
<laughs> physics model. Uh, uh-huh. Rotating objects like the spinning ball were apparently accessing energy from some yet unknown source that caused them to bend the law of gravity in exciting new ways. So that's it. We just didn't figure out that you have to rotate it. You got to spin. Yeah, that's all it is. No, no science needed. Just fucking spin in a circle fast enough, and there you go. Do you want to go race down the alley and all race by spinning in a circle really fast and you just run normally? That's like the game they play at kids' parties where <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, spin yeah. around and see who can run in a straight line first. Yeah, or like a fucking baseball game during the seventh inning stretch. Like yeah, pretty put much. Put your head on the bat and yeah. fucking spin in a circle. Around. Who, can, who, who wants to win a free Dodger dog? David just saw that and was like, this is a new form of physics. <laughs> Fat, drunk guy <laughs> at a Dodger game. <laughs> I've invented a new form of physics. Synchronicity. Yeah. I didn't even know the Dodgers were playing that day. <laughs> Yet I had bought tickets and gone. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then he moves on to crop circles and his favorite sacred geometry. Oh, hell yes. He, right, I love crop circles. He cites uh, another source, a book by Robert Lawler called Sacred Geometry, which is not largely tied to the crop circles. It's not particularly interesting uh of course he he takes the one topic that should be interesting and makes it not interesting yeah he doesn't get into anything cool about it it's just very on the surface basic shit uh and then in quantum fields act like a fluid i listened very carefully to everything that richard hoagland said on the radio and after a while it seemed clear that he hadn't fully solved the puzzle. All right, hold on. And, Richard, and by radio he means uh coast to coast. Coast to coast. Is where yes, he's listening to a man who thinks there's colonies on Mars on coast to coast. Oh, Art Art Bell is cited regularly. Yes, and he thinks so he's trying to work he he's just doing word salad. Like he's just piecing scientific words together that have no meaning when grouped like, as yeah. a compound unit, yeah. they're, they're meaningless. Well, I just like that, once again, a theoretical physicist was almost there, but he hadn't figured it out like David had. Yeah, no, David, David, uh, high school graduate, probably college dropout, who smokes so much weed he had to go to rehab, he solved physics. Yes, now here here's his explanation. At this point, I started visualizing De Palma's spinning ball experiment as if the ball was like a wet dog shaking off a bunch of water. Each atom might have some type of energy in it that behaves like a fluid and is not strictly trapped within the atom. This different, this is different from the conventional idea that atoms can take in or give out only one single photon at a time, which becomes electrons once they merge with the atom. Well, in this new model... This is all meaningless. The, in this that new model, sentence means nothing. If you rotate the object fast enough, you might force some of this quantum fluid to spray out of the atoms, and the object then weighs less. Another way to look at this strange loss of mass is that the rotating object might cause some of its particles to transform into a wave state. There may be some fluid-like way in which this was happening. Even the solid particle state of matter could still behave more like a fluid than a hard object, and by introducing enough motion, the particles might flow into waves. Right, but what does conservation of motion have to do with conservation of mass? Well, what he's implying is that the force he's talking about is like a fluid that surrounds the object. Yeah, he just... So when you rotate the ball, the fluid starts rotating, which causes the ball to weigh less. Yeah, that totally makes sense. He's right. I'm just going to forget everything I learned in college. Look, you're just not as smart as David, <laughs> I man. couldn't figure it out. How many articles have you printed out? <laughs> That's... I don't... I, I maybe only have four feet of articles. Then let's see. He keeps... 
going on. Uh, talking about more fucking triangles and shit. <laughs> uh, the talks about the global grid, where he found the book uh, "Anti Gravity in the World Grid" by David uh, Hatcher Childress, who is also from Ancient Aliens. I do love me some David Childress. He's the what if ancient astronaut? <laughs> no, he's, yeah, he's, he's, the main, he's the main dude. He's the man who should really do every audio book ever recorded. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, uh, David Wilcock is the star of Agent Aliens, but that other guy. Yeah. He's, well, he's he's a, he's a co-star with David. David's the lead. David allows him on the show. Yeah. Uh, he gives another diagram of some of his favorite tr- shapes. <laughs> Tetrahedron. It, it's literally yeah, just pictures of, of geometry. I- Icosahedron, dodecahedron, all sorts of weird shit. He connects him to the Bermuda Triangle, saying that all the crazy shit is because of planes of existence. That sounds like a good pun about the Bermuda Triangle, <laughs> like the planes of existence, <laughs> like a shitty horror movie from the 80s. Coming soon. Planes of existence. Starring Nicolas Cage. Starring David Wilcock <laughs> and the dodecahedron. But uh, yeah, he goes talks about the Bermuda Triangle, then he goes on to time slips a worldwide map of all those giant stone monuments, but the the quote I eventually got to was, uh, this was truly fascinating stuff, and as far as I could tell, no one else was asking these questions or connecting these dots. I wonder why. Yep. Why would no one be asking the nonsensical questions? He's the only one to have ever thought about it. Why would no other man ask questions so fucking stupid? <laughs> why would no man... Think of things so retarded. I couldn't believe. They would be dismissed outright at any academic institution. I can't believe no one thought everything was connected to me. I must quickly source myself so (laughs) I can back up my argument. Uh, Continuing on, he gets to one of my favorite fields of science uh, in a book about cymatics, which is the study of uh, sound and the shapes it make. Which oh, is yeah, pretty like cool. the, the vibrational yeah. waves and the shapes it make. Which that is pretty shit cool. Because cool. they're starting to do some interesting stuff where they're trying to use it to build things, especially on smaller scale levels. But, but uh, if if you don't know what cymatics is, just go search it in YouTube. Yeah. You, you can see some pretty cool shit. It's some fun stuff. He doesn't really get anything cool about it. He just kind of mentions it. Of course it. not. I Once again, under- he he disappoints. I just underlined it because it was another one of his references. That would be my review of this book so far, is David Wilcock disappoints and rambles aimlessly. Oh, he does not disappoint. <laughs> uh, even more outrageously, the dream I... W- oh, this is when he goes back to his dream diaries and starts rereading the... Uh, Crucial. Yes, the information. Uh, Even more outrageously, the dreams I was reading from as far back as 1992 had many direct and obvious references to my own present as I was writing this book in 2019. Oh, so I have heard him discuss this partially on his YouTube channel probably about a month and a half ago or so, somewhere in that ballpark. It's... Well, I'll I'll let you go. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming he'll cover similar ground. Here's well he well, here's well he uh, takes the leap. Yeah. Now that I have had many hundreds of accurate future prophecies demonstrated to me over a 27 year period, I have no reason to doubt the ascension prophecies. The most exciting prophecies, of course, are the ones that haven't come true yet, and that's why I wrote this <laughs> book. 
it, dun, dun, dun. I know it's such a good like uh, that's a good cliffhanger. Hey, the for man, where the book is going, for as much as he stretches it like an eighth paid eighth grade book report, yeah, he's, he's got some good lines. He's got some decent lines. Uh, let's see, next chapter we're moving on. Prophetic mysteries from a fellow seeker. But hold on, what he was just talking about was essentially he used to just record himself saying nonsense, right? No, so this is uh, from, like, there was like a six-year period, you might actually still do it today, where he wrote down his dreams every single day. Every oh, single right, day. Right, right. Every single day, right, morning and night. And the dreams started to line up with what's going on in today's Well, the way he world. claims it is he hadn't looked at them for a while. Of course not. But for this book, he needed to go back and examine his dreams to look for messages he would have missed. <laughs> and there is the source of this book. That's a very, once again, convenient claim. I don't, I don't think the man to be a liar. Why, why would I think that? I don't exactly remember where this quote is from, but it just says, She had no idea that I was about to read a dream where f fur pelts just like this were being turned back into live, aggressive animals. He's at a magic show. He watched someone pull a rabbit out of a hat. Oh, this is lucid dreams and time loops. Okay, right, right. All right, right so he took too much fucking acid. I've been in time loops too, David. Oh, here it is. This is a good one. This is a really good one. You'll never, you'll never <laughs> get the guest appearance. Uh... Right then I realized I had to be dreaming, and I became lucid. My brother, father, and grandfather were there with me, and I started trying to explain to them that all this was a dream. <laughs> None of them wanted to listen to me. I <laughs> then went after Meatloaf, for I knew I had to stop him from making the monsters. Wait, like, meat, like the I would do anything for love Meatloaf? Yes. Or like yes. the... I broke oh. through and had a lucid dream. In this <laughs> case, the loud, brash, and controversial rock and roll singer Meatloaf had some sort of bizarre <laughs> magic, magic power. Okay, so uh, yeah, he had to stop. I would call his voice a magic power. None of them wanted to. Li I had. They then went after Meatloaf, for I knew I had to stop him from making the monsters. <laughs> I concentrated, and hit him with a blast of energy, using my hands to shape the energy into a beam. He immediately <laughs> shrank down to half his original oh, size. What the fuck! <laughs> I blasted him three more times until he could fit in the in a mayonnaise jar that I suddenly manifested in my hand. Yo, he's fighting Meatloaf Street Fighter style. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Yeah. yeah, like what the? F I put him in the jar where he no longer posed a threat to me, and covered the jar with a lid that I screwed on. He banged on the glass with his fists, and I could hear his muffled voice. All right, someone's gotta lock him in a room with padded walls. So he had a dream where none of his father figures listened wanted to, to listen to him, <laughs> where any man in his life just outright ignored him. And then, kind of like what we're doing right now, actually. And then he shrunk down meatloaf. And trapped him in a mayonnaise jar. All right. Well, David, I challenge you to a battle of mayonnaise jars. I told you, David <laughs> does not disappoint in this book. Has he lost his mind? And mm. I mean that kind of sincerely. Like he's, Once again, he's putting it all out on the table. This is his shot. He's calling his shot. Like, this seems beyond fucking crazy. Yes. Now here Shooting we go. meatloaf with beams of energy to stuff him in a fucking... Mayonnaise jar, jar. Yeah. while your dad calls you a fucking retard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. that is not science, David. Yeah, uh, the next dream I wrote down in my notebook was from November first, nineteen ninety two. In it, I met with I met up with a group of Koreans and began falling in <laughs> love with a particular woman. This was two solid years before I got together with my Japanese girlfriend Yumi in nineteen ninety four. May I point out the Japanese and Korean are not the same people? Now in twenty nineteen. 
I, I was able to see that it was clearly a prophetic dream. I just didn't realize it at the time. I can't tell those Asians apart. Near the <laughs> they end of, all look the same to me. Near the end of November 1992 on Thanksgiving Day, I had yet another dream in which I had an Asian girlfriend. All right, so he likes Asian chicks. But but you see, he dreamed about falling in love with a Korean. Uh, and, and then, then he fell in love with someone who wasn't Korean. And then shortly after, he also started fucking another Asian person. Well, then he's got to be right about the clearly. Ascension Mysteries. Hey, it, once again, it was clearly a prophetic message. He just didn't understand it at the time. Right. No, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I get it. Sometimes that happens to me. Sometimes I just think, I just ramble aimlessly, and then it becomes a prophetic vision. Let's see. He tells a story about, who was Artie? Artie Lang? I wish. I fucking <laughs> wish to God. Well, he's was, got a story about he fucking just, meatloaf. He just calls him my friend Artie, who was a year younger than me, uh, but also loved UFOs and had a genius level IQ. Of course he did. Oh, oh. Only another oh. genius would hang out with fucking David. Oh, okay. This, I know what we're stumbling upon now. Okay. We get near Donald Marshall territory here. This is when, it, this is when David really loses it. All right. We, brief refresher for uh, the, the new listeners. We've talked about him before. Donald Marshall, uh, Illuminati Vril Cloning Center. Still the craziest person I think we've ever found. By far. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he often would dream that he was in a cloning center where... Under, like, Buckingham Palace. Yeah. And Queen Elizabeth would force him to write pop songs. Yes. Very successful pop songs, yeah. might I add. And Tila Probably Tequila. for Meatloaf. Probably. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he mentioned Meatloaf in there, to be honest with you. Oh, hey, Cody's on the way. So oh. we'll have, uh, we will have... The captain's yeah. almost here. But, uh, all right, let's... Uh, a fellow seeker, his friend Artie, who he doesn't give the last name of. Because <laughs> he's not real. But he was a genius level IQ, and he liked UFOs. Okay. Uh, he met him. Those his, two often go together. David met him through his buddy Adam, who played guitar in my chamber jazz ensembles band while I was the drummer. David was a drummer? Yeah, he's a musician. I, I knew that. I always thought he was a guitar guy. But uh, he was utterly fascinated with Artie's life story as well. Uh, I could tell at the time both of Artie's parents were involved in a terrifying and very secretive cult that was somehow connected with the government, secret societies, black magic, military defense contractors, and the reverse engineering of UFO-related technologies. <laughs> Artie's mother ended up taking her own life when Artie was seven years old, and his All father right. <laughs> disappeared under very mysterious circumstances when he was ten. Artie was told his father had died, but as we will see, this may very well not be the case. Oh my god, they faked his death? Artie so. was then lucky enough to be raised by a normal woman who happened to be a friend of his mother's, <laughs> along with her husband. Artie it's, had never met his... adoption, David. <laughs> yeah, Artie had never met his new mother until the day she assumed guardianship. Later in life, that Artie's... Was, how else would that work? Yeah, that's how adoption works. Yeah, like you don't... Yeah, you don't meet a person until you meet them. Yeah. That's yeah. that's how meeting someone works. Exactly. Now, later in life, Artie started having brief but very disturbing memory flashes. He would uh, constantly talk to a man named Howard and a uh, woman named Robin. <laughs> I remember hearing him tell me about this same memory at some point back in college, but at the time it was very mysterious to me. Artie could vaguely remember being taken somewhere in the middle of the night. 
Once he arrived at the destination, he saw people wearing animal masks. The men were wearing suit jackets and regular neckties. The women were, were wearing elegant dresses. When I asked him what he was feeling at the time, he said he was scared, actually petrified. Ooh. His brother was also there in his memory, and he asked his brother about it several years ago, as of the time of this writing. His brother obviously didn't want to talk about it, saying, <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> While acting very agitated. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I can't imagine why. Can't when, imagine why. When your fucking nutbag brother won't leave you alone. Come on, uh, tell us about it. You know you remember. Tell us about the secret party where they were wearing animals. Like, Come oh, on. I don't know what you're talking about. He said it very agitatedly. <laughs> Artie tried to talk him about it on one additional occasion, and his brother said, I don't remember that at all. No, no, no. <laughs> well, that means it, it definitely happened. He again was very agitated and immediately changed the subject. Uh, so his brother's just schizophrenic, or... Well, I dare not diagnose someone via we, the internet, but... We uh, will keep going. Uh, <laughs> Artie again started to remember brief flashes of the experience after waking up from a very weird and disturbing dream in which someone was trying to hurt him. Uh-huh. A few months later, uh -oh. he uncovered a new memory oh, no. of an elderly uh, man oh, no. sexually abusing him at this same party oh. while his parents stood by and did nothing to stop it. We are going full Donald Marshall. Whether we like it or not, there are many insiders who have come forward to report nearly identical-sounding trauma, which psychologists refer to as ritual, ab ritual <laughs> abuse. Yeah. Memory loss is clinically referred to by psychologists as dissociation, and this type of amnesia is another extremely common element in these whistleblower reports. Once I began uh, learning wasn't about the, the whistle dark, he was blowing. <laughs> once I began learning about the dark universe in 2000 through the writings of an insider <laughs> named Folly, I realized that Artie's story fit perfectly with what I was now learning much more about. He may have forgotten what happened to him, but many others have not. And a fair number of them have been quite public about their experiences. Stanley Kubrick's movie, Eyes Wide Shut, was one of the most prominent efforts to expose and publicize this dark aspect of our society. They, they killed him for it, man. And the disturbing Epstein story has greatly increased public awareness of this problem. Oh, it's the first, like, vaguely modern thing he's brought into this. As best I could tell, Artie was able to escape whatever nightmare his parents had been involved in after both of them allegedly died. I knew there was something terrifying hiding. Shouldn't there be a way to, like, check? There should. It's called a death certificate. Yeah, like, I, I'm pretty sure I can check if someone's dead or alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew there was something terrifying hiding behind his story, and he has since dedicated his entire life trying to figure it out. Much of which he may have gone through is still an absolute mystery to him. I called him up after finishing this book in 2019, clarifying many details of what he had told me, and got some new information that adds shocking new elements to the mystery. So after finishing the book, he's writing what he's writing now. Yes. In Artie's story. After finishing. Yeah. So he had to come back and rewrite it. So he finished the book, and now we're hearing what he had. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I, just to be clear. Well, he was... Going for clarification to yeah. make sure he had lied properly. Uh, yeah. But, uh, hey, you know that thing you uh, completely made up? Uh, I need some clarification on it. In Artie's story, a wealth of puzzle pieces needed to be put together, and he himself had no idea how they fit. Yet this data aligns extremely well with what I have learned from many other insiders over the years, as well as through my private research into the so-called Illuminati and the secret space program. 
All right. Now, now, all right. We, we kind of, we're getting my interest again. And now you're going to tell me he doesn't really go into it. Psychiatric experiments at the orphanage. God damn it. <laughs> Artie's parents met each other while they were children, living in an orphanage that was run by a secret society similar to the Freemasons. Uh, he, he fucking Voldemort? <laughs> yes, pretty much. If your father was a member of this society and he passed away, you would be taken to live at the boarding school since there was no department of children and families at the time. You and your mother would then participate in studies and experiments that were done at a psychiatric facility on the campus. Considering everything that we know, this almost certainly involved mind control techniques. Once again, that seems like a, a jump in logic, but I'll I'll allow it. Mm -hmm. I will allow Mr. Wilcock that uh, that transgression against reason. Yes. Now, by talking to people who worked there, Artie found that a psychiatrist would come in a couple of times a week to work with the kids and give them various pharmaceutical drugs. One woman who still... they were fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was a psych ward. Yeah. <laughs> One woman who still worked there remembered that Artie's mom would get taken away at times to go to the hospital, as they called it. On a number of these occasions, <laughs> oh, the she fuck? wouldn't be brought back to her room until the next day. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of how hospitals work. He... He... He's so much dumber than I thought. Well, now we break down the Illuminati. According to Svali, the group calling themselves the Illuminati has six branches of learning that every member is trained in. Now, to explore the six branches of learning sequentially, first we have okay. sciences, which focuses on how study physics is fake <laughs> and practice of mind control. Oh, now, that's a science. In the second category, military. You dress up in uniforms, such as German Nazi outfits from World War II, and are trained in firearms, bomb-making, Improvised explosive devices, assassination techniques, surveillance, setting traps, stalking, and riot control. All right, you know what? That seems practical, yeah. at least. Like, hey, that seems like... Those are useful skills. If you want to form a militia, those are skills you should have. Now, the third category, leadership. Cultivates members with the skills necessary to be a public figure and influence how others think, such as by being the CEO of a major corporation. Also good. Mm -hmm. Also a good plan. The fourth category, government is self-explanatory, where you learn the skills to obtain a law degree and how all the different aspects of government must function. Leadership is a separate category from government because in addition to training CEOs, leadership may also prepare people for careers as actors, musicians, news anchors, and the like, where they are taught to <laughs> remain loyal to this group's hidden agenda. The fifth category, scholarship, focuses on academic subjects that revolve around the hidden history of the organization. The final sixth category, spiritual, focuses on practices that include the deliberate cultivation of out-of-body experiences to gather information that is otherwise difficult I feel like, or impossible to obtain. I feel like you're some bizarro Alex Trebek introducing the world's weirdest game of Jeopardy right now. Now, I'll be honest. I, the I, first category is... <laughs> I'd never read that particular breakdown of the Illuminati hierarchy. That's interesting. That's not bad. It's interesting. It's new, at least. Yeah, I, I haven't heard him uh, regurgitate that ad, ad nauseum over the last two decades. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, according to Sfali... This was all dramatized in the movie The Matrix, where the agents were able mm -hmm. to occupy the bodies of anyone within The Matrix and then get them to commit murders, which he's comparing to mind control the Illuminati can do. Okay. So all they right. can go into your mind and make you do things. Like uh, the Manchurian candidate. I understand how outrageous this sounds. And again, 
as now is insi- when he makes that qualification. As various insiders have told me over the years, it doesn't matter whether you believe this is true or not. They these, believe it's true. These people absolutely do believe this works. All right, and they you know who serious? said that is Bill Cooper. They are as serious as a heart attack. Bill Cooper has said that, and Alex Jones has repeated it. Didn't Bill Cooper also have a heart attack? No, Bill Cooper uh, got in a shootout with the feds because oh, he right, didn't right, want right. to pay his taxes. He went out like a G. Yeah, he's about that life. Yeah, and then he pretty much goes on to describe the Illuminati. They're very bureaucratic. They don't seem like much fun, if I'm being honest. Yeah, they're a little dry for my taste. I, I feel like world domination should have a little more uh, pizzazz to it. Yeah, and then uh, let's back to the story. Uh, I had my suspicion about secret intelligence agencies and classified defense contract projects long before meeting Artie. My junior high friend, Kevin, who was one of the smartest kids in my grade. Of had, course. Had of parents, course. All his friends are the smartest. Well, David was too smart for the other kids. Uh, yeah. He had well, parents who uh, both worked for a local nuclear power laboratory. They could not take him to work, nor could they tell him anything about what they were doing there. If they were ever having a conversation about their work and Kevin came into the room, they would immediately stop talking. They let Kevin know more than once that they considered UFOs and ETs to be real without saying why. They worked at a place called unemployment. (laughs) They were very concerned about the potential existence of extraterrestrial life and considered it to be an extremely dangerous situation. This opinion seemed to be a direct result of very specific information that they were given as part of their jobs, while many other data points about benevolent, angelic, extraterrestrial humans, human life are deliberately omitted. I don't know why they would learn that at the nuclear plant. Like, you're not doing <laughs> yeah, anything Yeah, what are you cool. doing? Like, you don't deal with... The aliens don't run the nuclear power facilities. All right, like, here's the reactors, and also if the aliens or Satan show up, here's, mm. a, here's how you fight the war in heaven. Stupid fucking boss, that goddamn three-foot gray. Fucking piece <laughs> of shit. Fucking punch him right in his gray face. I can read your mind. <laughs> <laughs> you called me a fag. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, According to one prominent insider he interviewed, uh, the community is well aware that the UFOs exist, the intelligence community. Of course they are. uh, That they crashed here and that we have since built our own uh, craft. He's just referring to John Lear, right? Or Bob Uh, Lazar. He's talking about one of them and just pretending like he's... A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Yeah. In fact, Greer's on the next page. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay, shocking. We have as many as 276 cities underground that can house up to 65,000 people each, as well as a variety of off-planet bases to visit as you get into the more highly compartmentalized programs. That's a pretty good amount of people. 276 times 65,000? Yeah, that's pretty... That's some Georgia Guidestone shit. Jesus. I... He's jumping around so much. Let's see. Once you enter that world, it is almost possible to return to surface life on Earth again. Oh, God, they're, the, they're, they're mold people? Mm-hmm. The Apollo missions achieved the seemingly impossible feat of putting a man on the moon, but then we are supposed to believe that humanity got bored afterward and simply gave up for 50 years. The dark side of the moon is mm. a great place for the military-industrial complex to build bases, since no one here could ever see them with a telescope and the reverse-engineered anti-gravity craft we've created have a technology called masking, which, you'll never guess, makes them invisible. Can't we literally look at the dark side of the moon right now? Like, uh, via live stream? Doesn't yes, China, have, China yeah. has probes on the dark side Yeah, doesn't someone have, uh, like, satellite? You'll never believe it. It's the moon. <laughs> it, it looks the same on the now, other side, too? I'm always hesitant to trust anything coming from China. 
Yeah, yeah. That, that's, like, that's what they would want you to think. If someone's going to do a Studio 59 or whatever the fuck it was yes. and fake a landing, it would be them. They they kidnapped Stanley Kubrick after Eyes Wide Shut. Now he's making uh, fake YouTube streams of the moon. All right, back to Artie. Artie's father worked at a scientific organization and continued that job until his alleged death. For that, re- for legal <laughs> reasons, I will not share the name, so we will just call it the organization. And and also because it makes it sound cool and ominous. Uh huh. Uh huh. Some of the work areas were all cubicles and did not look very well kept. His father worked in a room that was much better with yellow floors. His boss supposedly <laughs> said just... to him at the time, only half joking. I think your dad's office might be nicer than mine. It's, Don't it, know what that has to do with anything. It's just the unnecessary details. When I looked up the organization online, I found that this company works with both public corporations and private military groups. One part of the organization serves as a defense contractor that builds carbon fiber parts for the aerospace industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And dad, dad is involved. Oh, yes, the organization also received awards from President Bill Clinton, President George W. Bush. And the Department of Commerce. You know, he didn't name this organization, but with everything he's saying, it sounds like it'd be pretty fucking easy to piece it back. You would think so. You know what this feels like? You ever end up stuck sitting next to a crazy person when they go on a tangent? Uh, every like, day listening to Alex Jones. When I, I went to a Dodger game once, and I ended up next to a guy who was uh, into, really into the Dodgers and numerology. And I had to listen to a rant about Hideo Nomo and and uh, Warren Moon and how their numbers added up together and like if you <laughs> subtracted them. And I was just fucking stuck there, and I couldn't leave because the baseball game was. A, that's what this book feels like. Is I'm hearing about Warren Moon and Hideki Matsui and how their numbers are are fucking i don't know some sort of you saw him on the odometer yeah exactly i i saw a deki matsui's number in a, a scoop of rice yeah. and then i went back to dodger stadium to look for aliens so already continues on dad gets a rad job at the organization of course he does and uh no Artie, one ever gets a normal fucking job he once again discusses how Artie was a savant very, very smart. Autistic savant. <laughs> His mother supposedly held the job as a nurse before her tragic death. Wouldn't that be, uh, once again, easily verifiable? Go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Hey, I- anyone in this hospital, have you heard of this person? <laughs> I mean, death, yes. death certificates are public record. Cool. Yeah. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. In another strange incident, Artie rattled off something in Japanese when he was six or seven years old, attending the second grade. His father was sitting in a rocking chair with a Corel plate and was cutting something with a knife at the time. His father stared at Artie and said, What did you say? <laughs> he was clearly freaked out. Artie did not know how to respond. His father repeated the question, and Artie said, I don't know. His father asked him again, and Artie repeated the same answer. I don't know. <laughs> then his father said, How did you know that? He was genuinely shocked. Tears started welling in Artie's eyes. He didn't know. He said it just came out. Uh, 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 There's another paragraph where he does... How does David keep getting tricked? I don't know. How well, does he keep so getting here's tricked my thought. by mentally unfet, here's, like unwell people? Here's my thought. Now that Corey Good is a questionable ally, 
I think he's just setting up more insiders. I don't think Artie's real. You think he's just in wholesale made up as a go-to insider? I get no last names, but I get all the story. That's true. It's the perfect insider. You yeah. can't you can't question the credibility of a man who doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. whose mom doesn't exist. And whose dad doesn't exist. Yeah. And their jobs might not have existed. Yeah. Nothing may exist. And whose kid spoke Japanese and that made his dad cry. Yeah, Maybe his dad, his dad just really hated the Japs. His dad just was freaked out, I guess. Uh, so back to Artie. Uh, I was particularly interested by two different stories Artie told from, his, uh, from this time in his life. The first event took place when Artie was about four years old. He had a pair of Spider-Man underoos, a type of <laughs> underwear with a cartoon pattern, and a shirt that went along with it. He woke up in his bed and found that his underwear was now on backwards, but not the shirt. <laughs> he would never have put his own underwear on backward, and there was no way this could have happened on its own while he was sleeping. Yeah, there's no there's no way a person at the age of wearing Spider-Man underoos accidentally puts their clothes on backwards. Never, never. As I was hearing this in 1994, I told him he may have been through some sort of medical exam, and whoever <laughs> put his clothes back on didn't... Whoever put his clothes back on did not understand which way they needed to go. Yeah, that's it. The aliens didn't put on your underoos, uh-huh. right? I had also suspected that I had been through similar experiences myself based upon the intriguing clues I discussed earlier, like waking up in the middle of the night in a trance, packing my bag, and walking out the side door of the house into the dark night only to suddenly snap out of it. Uh, if only he hadn't. If only he had just walked into... Uh, I'm I'm going to stop wishing for the band's death. When Artie was um, in first grade at about the age of six, he remembers seeing a large lighted object coming down in his yard outside. He vaguely remembers sleepwalking outside. His parents saw him walking along, and he told them he was going to see the big ball of light. It did not appear that his parents saw the light like he did. It's called the sun. <laughs> I was the first one to ever tell Artie that this sounded very much as if he had been through some sort of UFO contact and abduction experience. That's always good to tell a guy with mental illness. Yeah, I speculated that there might be more to this story than extraterrestrials. Artie's alleged UFO contact could have been coming from some division of whatever strange group his parents seemed to be involved in. If you have read part two of The Ascension Mysteries, then you already know I spoke with many insiders who said that the military-industrial complex uses its own UFO-type craft to carry out its own abductions. Of course, you guys already know that, though. Yeah. Uh, We... Our listening audience is very familiar with part two of the Ascension Mysteries. Of course, of course. And now, 127 pages in, we get the first mention of Corey Good by name. May I just mention, we are 20% of the way through this book. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a lot of episodes, folks. In an interview with Jenny McCarthy on the Jenny McCarthy Show of November 7, 2019. I listened to this interview on Sirius Radio. Insider Corey Good revealed details of his own childhood experience that appear to integrate very nicely with the clues from Marty's testimony. So he's pretty much setting up a new Corey. Yeah, so he's just backdating an insider. Yes. He's taking yes. what Corey Good said and then backdating this guy who didn't exist at the time mm-hmm. to be able to fulfill what he's no longer going to be able to get from Corey Good. Mm-hmm. And then he gives the normal Corey Good shit, but here's something different. Corey has hinted on many occasions that he knows a lot more about my own past than he is authorized to reveal. Oh, yeah. But up until now, I myself have been able to recover only bits and pieces of it. Thankfully, I have no doubt that I was never a member of the Illuminati. Many people (laughs) apparently have these My Lab secret space program experiences, 
without having to suffer through the occult black magic aspects of the organization. I have gone back and reviewed a wide variety of dreams and experiences in my childhood after having had this information, and am now quite convinced that I have had my labs myself, as we will discuss. My labs are the, the secret cloning centers. Yeah, and very quickly, Corey Good is uh, his Galactic Federation military insider who's an intuitive empath yes. who uh, like fights the, the evil he, species in outer space. He talks to the aliens. And he's also told David that uh, the aliens won't talk to him because his ego is too big. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, moving back to Artie. Uh, Artie's an awfully convenient character. This is some, like, fight club shit. Artie's parents both died under mysterious circumstances, as we discussed. Yeah, we know. Uh, (laughs) You keep saying it. uh, But many years later, he found out uh, that the father of one of the founders of modern rocketry and defense contractor business, Jack Parsons, had something similar to what Artie often saw his mother doing. An article in Vice Magazine from January 2nd, 2015, reported that Parsons performed an occult magical ceremony called the Babylon Working. You can't tie this into Jack Parsons. Don't don't give me Aleister Crowley. Don't do this to me. In which other in which among other things he was drawing occult symbols in the air with swords. Oh, no, I As can't. it turns out, certain <laughs> magical symbols such as runes and sigils can be drawn in the air while the person is visualizing them being formed out of light. Yeah, Jack Parsons had to like jerk off to a redhead, I believe it was, and that if you want to look mm-hmm. up some fucked up shit, go look up the origins of like JPL and Rocketdyne. Just think for a second. Here's a quote from the article. Just think that for a second, one of the top minds de- driving America's early rocket program, a program that helped fuel the space race in the Cold War. No pun intended. Was at the same time a leading figure in the world of the occult. But for Parsons, it didn't seem strange at all. He treated magic and rocketry as different sides of the same coin. Both had been disparaged. Both derided as impossible. But because of this, both presented themselves as challenges to be conquered. Well. So, Artie took, Artie's mother took her own life on April 27th, 1982. I thought we didn't know how she died. Well, no. Now she took her own life. <laughs> All right, but like the last seven times that she he brought it up, it was under... Myster- no, no, no. Dad disappeared mysteriously. Uh, okay. Mom worked at the hospital, maybe, and then definitely killed herself. And then, uh, yes, apparently definitely murdered Definitely herself. killed herself. Maybe worked at a hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a patient at the hospital. Definitely killed herself. Definitely killed herself. No, <laughs> no, no mental issues. No questions asked. Okay. All right. Let's keep it chugging. Okay. And then uh, moving along, Artie was then left to raise, or Artie's father was left to raise Artie and his brother alone, which he did not handle very well. Uh, at one point, uh, Artie said, Dad, what's wrong? But he wouldn't answer for a while. You fucking suck. Artie That's repeated why. the question five different times, and his father finally said, I love you. This was not something his father normally said. <laughs> then, right before Artie left for the birthday party down the street, his father again said he loved him and hugged him very tightly for a long time. Oz's dad's going to kill himself. Like he had never been hugged before. Or he's, uh, uh-oh. When Special Artie came hug. home, <laughs> a neighbor from across the street called me, called to him. She had been his nanny. She told Artie and his brother that their father had been taken to the hospital. Then their uncle that visited. That their mother may or may not have worked at. <laughs> and said their father wasn't doing well. No other details were given. The nanny later told Artie that his father had passed away. Artie did not go to the wake, and they held a closed casket funeral. Even when he first told me this story, I did not feel that his father had actually passed away at all. 
what a terrible thing to tell someone. Right? Like, hey, hey, your dad. I don't think he's dead. He's not dead. You can totally have a family. He's fucking faking it. <laughs> you can totally make this work. If my informed speculations are correct, then once Artie's father was taken underground, he could continue his work for the organization on advanced and highly classified black projects without needing to maintain a cover story. You mean like Black Lives Matter? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> black projects? By holding a closed casket funeral, they did not need to create any convincing facsimile of his father's dead body. That's true, David. That's very smart. But he believes Artie's father bent the rules by giving his son a knowing look before he had to leave. (laughs) He fucking, like, wink? He said There was a twinkle in his eye? He knew that if he said anything out loud other than, I love you, it would be recorded and his son could be harmed. So all he could do was stare in silence. And give him very exaggerated one-eye winks. Now, although this may sound very strange, it completely fits with a variety of other pieces of intel that I would end up gathering in later years. All the shit I made up fits very well with the narrative I also made up. Now, they already says his father was not unusually depressed and had not shown <laughs> any signs of being at risk. There, were no, there was no note or any type of statement that would have suggested he might take his own life, and he hadn't shown any signs of illness. You know what this is? This is building your own puzzle. He, mm-hmm. he took one solid block, and he has carved the puzzle pieces out of it and just made it more difficult, and now he's scrambled the pieces, and he doesn't know how to fucking put them back together. Yep. and then, He uh, fucked up his own goddamn puzzle. Artie's dad gets a military burial with a 21-gun salute. I, But they just talked about it being, like, low-key with a closed casket. Yeah, I guess. But uh, <laughs> like, uh, there's contradictions. Yeah. So, on... uh, if Artie was born into an intergenerational and highly secretive cult, Naturally. as it most definitely appears he was, then his aunt and uncle would be absolutely aware of it. In this case, I feel the most likely explanation is that Artie's aunt figured out a way to get him out of the cult so we could have a relatively normal life. Where he talks to me about how his dad lives in an underground bunker. Mm-hmm. And definitely isn't dead. Then uh, David goes on to mention Edgar Casey's book, There Is a River. Oh, this this seems like a good place to freeze this week. We have four pages left. This is the does, last of it. How far into Edgar Casey does he go, though? Because uh, Edgar Casey might be a good stopping point. Let's see. Mostly he just goes over the basics. Uh talking about Casey's bullshit, crystal-powered guns let's, and such. Let's stop with Casey and pick back up there next week. But uh, it seems as though Artie was given some of these technologies. They talk about the crystals, the Great Pyramids, uh, and how he keeps up with Artie regularly after college. Of course he does. Uh, He's never mentioned them before, but... yeah. He but keeps up with them regularly. I'll give the, the final closing of his story. Okay. Uh, having circled the name Eric Harris with the Sharpie marker, the mysterious author had then written, Who is this guy? You need to research him. This will help answer what? your questions. This is Artie trying to figure out what happened to him. Because he believes he was part of MK Ultra. Wait, Eric Harris? Mm-hmm. Like Columbine Eric Harris? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. In 2008, Artie and his wife ran into a Borders. Uh, when they went back outside a plastic sheet, from a three-ring binder had been placed under the the windshield wiper of their Chevrolet HHR. A Xeroxed article was nestled inside the protective covering. The article was talking about mind control and mentioned Eric Harris, one of the two shooters in the Columbine school murders. Synchronicity. 
That is a fucking synchronicity. That is that. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Bravo, mm-hmm. my man. Um, so then I it, feel much stupider for having sat through that. You doubted David. You doubted I, David. I did, but he tied it back together to our previous episode, and there's no way he could have known. Yep. And then uh, let's see. How do we? How do, let's close with with Artie. Uh, he continues. Ex- he explained to Artie that when we look at these two messages, uh, the implication is that he did suffer some sort of mind control. Mind that it, control. That it damaged his physical body and his mental abilities to some degree. In 2011, Artie contacted the organization to ask about his father's work history. Artie gave his father's name, said that he died in 1986, and tried to find out what he had done. The man on the phone wouldn't answer any questions. Artie <laughs> said he had heard his father was an inspector, and the man said, Yeah, that sounds about right. The man said they would call Artie back, but they never did. He also sent a lengthy email, but they did not. Later on, Artie called again, and one gentleman finally told him that his father had worked as an inspector on some projects, but other than that, he wouldn't give any specific details. It is my hope that sharing Artie's story with you can encourage more whistleblowers to come forward as time goes on. As we heard, as we head into the next chapter, our story returns to the time when Artie was my roommate, and I got my first girlfriend at age 20. The events that took place during that period propelled me even deeper into the world of the mysterious. Fueling my quest to seek the truth about extraterrestrial presence, the military-industrial complex, and our own origin and future destiny as souls awakening in the dream. All right, well, you heard it here first. Next week, we hear about David getting Asian pussy. Um, Man, I got to read another 150 pages of this. I got to fucking take a smoke break or something. Before we record episode two, I need... uh, It's a lot. It's a lot. And you want to know the craziest part? That first chunk was really just him filling 100 pages of bullshit. Yeah. He's not, he hasn't even gotten into the real good stuff We yet. haven't even touched predictions. Nope. We were just, we're still getting into basic uh, functions and uh, scientific. This is all the backstory yeah. to move us into predictions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, all right. Well, with that being said, uh, the, the butcher's coming. The butcher's coming. Part two was coming. Mamba out.